This week on the Be Ready Training Podcast, I am joined by Savannah Castles. Sav is a performance development specialist in Atlanta, Georgia. She works with high school, collegiate and professional athletes. Throughout this chat, Sav takes us through her approach to coaching youth athletes, common injuries seen in basketball and developing speed for soccer. She also tells us about her own life. I hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. How are you? Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Just getting through my day here. Well, what is it? Lunchtime here now in Ireland. What you're just up out of bed there, I believe. Yeah, it's eight twenty in the morning here. Well, good morning to you. Um, I suppose we'll just kick off with uh, you giving us a quick overview of your sporting background um, through college and how you found yourself in your role today. Okay, awesome. So I've played soccer my entire life. I've only played soccer. Um, I played in college. I ended up playing two years of semi-pro. And throughout that process, I kind of was like, I want to get more athletic. So tried to find different ways, studied a lot on my own, figuring out that. Then I ended up training teammates and just kind of fell in love with the process of getting better, which translated into what I do now. Nice. And what, what's your current post so in your role? I know that you deal a lot with youth athletes, which I really want to talk about as well. Um, is that what your week is taken up by? Um, it's a good mixture between high school, college and pro athletes, honestly. Nice. Just getting into a little bit of that. We'll just take the last year, for example, working with all those athletes. What has been your steepest learning curve? I would definitely say programming because ideally I would like to create this perfect program for every athlete. And that's just almost impossible. They either have their coaches running them into the ground or they're working with another strength and condition professional that has different views on things. So my biggest thing is just like, I have to figure out what I can give them that they don't already get. I gotcha. Yeah. So I suppose communication is such a massive thing for you guys mm-hmm. as it is in every, as it is with every coach, but especially in the States where there's so many sports coaches and I suppose your athletes are getting feedback from every corner. Mm-hmm. The way that you deal with that is the case of like weekly meetings or uh, phone calls or just having to be straight up with the coach saying, for example, if an athlete is kind of overdoing it and you know that, how would you get across your point to the sports coaches? Um, we really try to reach out. Sometimes it doesn't always work. So we do our best to just educate the athlete to really understand what they need, how it all works so that they can make educated decisions and their parents can have a better idea of how things should go okay yeah yeah i want that's something i wanted to pick your brain on as well it's like that approach to the parents and especially like you know if a parent has a sporting background themselves and you know sometimes they might think that they know it all in a sense yeah and how do you find is that is that difficult to get over or would you find that most parents are pretty much on your side and you um you're listened to by them i think it's about 50 50 especially with me being as young as i am a lot of parents tend to question everything i say stuff like that um it's really just bringing all of the information to them and almost allowing them to come to their own conclusion but leading leading them into making that conclusion yeah okay trying to kind of give them that platform in as gentle a way as you possibly can and kind of feeding them into it i i understand um over time, obviously, you've been coaching a while now. Who have been your main mentors that have helped you shape your philosophy? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say mentally, David Goggins and then Tim Grover, who wrote the book Relentless. That honestly helped me through playing soccer and then just taking on the business world as well. 
Okay, okay, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Um, when you were in when you were in college, did, how much of an effect did your SNC coach have on you to for you to end up in this role? Um, I suppose is being a coach something that you've always wanted to do? Uh, when did you figure that one out for yourself? Um, I knew I always wanted to be in sports. I wanted to be a professional soccer player a long time, and then when things kind of didn't roll my way, I kind of found like I don't always just enjoy the games, but it's the process of getting better and the process of being the best at everything. So it was just kind of an easy transition on over to this. For sure. Can you give us um, or describe a typical day in your job at the moment? What time you're starting at? What time you're finishing at? And what happens in between? Oh, boy. So it is all over the board. Some mornings I'm up at 4.45. It just depends on what time I train. If I have, I try to structure it pros in the morning and then high school and college in the afternoon. So I'd be up at 4.45. Um, take time in the morning. I'm really big on visualization. So I like to think through like, why, why do I do what I do? What am I doing to lead towards my end goals? And then go through some of the business stuff, plan out the day, start training, train throughout the day. I always train myself first just because it is very hard to train yourself after you've trained all day. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, go through all the business stuff, papers, all that and then go to bed, start over again. The process continues. <laughs> so you, you mentioned um, David Goggin's book there. You mentioned that like visualization is a huge thing for you. And that's something I wanted to ask you about your coaching as well. Like apart from the physical side and getting at your athletes prepared, what, what does a coach actually, what does being a coach mean to you? Could you go, give us your thoughts on that one? Please? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for being a coach to me is I try to figure out the most complicated things and most complex things and find a way to simply put that to athletes because you can know all of the science and everything in the world, but if the athlete doesn't understand why they need to do that, they're not going to do it. The buy-in just won't be there. Gotcha. I like it. And buy-in is something that um, I want to try to pick your brain on as well further on, because a friend of mine who I interviewed in episode two, James Key, who's a coach in England, coaching with his athletes who would be younger as well, they, they he knows that he needs them to think that he's cool, you <laughs> yeah. know? So he got, he, he, he got to be up. You got to be up to date with all this stuff and to, to, to get buy in, which is so important. Um, day one with your athletes, are, so let's take the first few weeks of training. What is your approach um, in terms of introducing them to the program? Uh, can you go through that? Yeah. Bit? So, day one, we sit down and have a consultation. And this is really my biggest piece for buy in. I need to know how committed you're going to be because it may just not be a good fit. Right. If it's not a good fit, yeah, go you. find somebody else. If it is a good fit, understand that I'm not just here for your hour session that day. You have to pay attention to the sleep, the nutrition, everything outside of lifting as well. And then we really go through an analysis their first day as well. So check a bunch of different movement patterns. Basically, I try to find their limiting factors, which are just the little weaknesses they have. That way we can attack those, which will help them reach whatever their goals are. So everything I do training-wise, Every single athlete has a different program based off of weaknesses I find and then based off of the goals they tell me that they have. Wow. Okay. Nice one. Yeah. Individualization mm -hmm. um, part of things is obviously massive for you as it should be. I saw that in your social media. And um, what would be some glaring weaknesses that you've come across over your time coaching uh, with youth athletes that pick? I would say probably the biggest one is the feet. It's rare that I find athletes yeah, okay. whose feet function well. 
I would see ankles and then hip stability is the other big one. Lovely. Okay. Um, I was actually just listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast the other day with Gary Ward, who is just a, a genius when it comes to the feet. So if you haven't checked that out, I, I definitely recommend oh, I definitely it. I'd love to hear more about the feet as well. <laughs> I know that you're um, under a bit of time pressure, so we might get into the feet. We might have you back <laughs> on and chat more about the feet. For a coach starting out with coaching youth athletes, but aside from buy-in and trying to get buy-in, what would be your main tips for them? Uh, let's see. I think biggest tip is one, try not to overcomplicate it for them. But two, you need to understand. I would say my biggest thing I had to learn is like, I don't think that there's any degree or education or anything like that. That's really going to prepare you. It's self-education every day. New things come out every day. Things change every day. You have to be up on that and continuously learning all the time. Gotcha. And I suppose, especially like, um, well, uh, taking me as an example, over the last few weeks, I've been working with under under 14s, under 16s uh, GAA players here in Ireland. And it's a, it's a very difficult age for them, I, the vibe that they get, give off. So, you know, to make it kind of an enjoyable, fun learning environment for, for them, I think is absolutely vital as well in that aspect. Um, just going back to the buy-in for a second, what is the best way to get buy-in from youth athletes? I mean, like, do you have to know like what's the best video game out at the moment or is it just is it just your approach to them like how you open up to them how would you go about it and what's your advice i think the biggest thing number one is just let them know your expectations up front i tell them all like look my expectations are you don't only do what's in here but you do everything at home all the sleep all the nutrition all of that if you can't do that we may ask you to leave just because I run this company and this business to get results. If you can't do everything outside of here, I can't get you as good of results as I could. And then two, okay. I think the other biggest thing for them is just break it down in a way that they understand why they're doing this and how this will translate to the field or court. I think like with my Instagram posts, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that athletes have really liked lately are the videos I do where I explain an exercise and then I show them a video of a basketball player on a court or something like that where they can really see how it translates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen those and I think they're class <laughs> as well. I really love your descriptions of them. So um, we'll get your details at the end of this um, podcast so, so more people can find out what you're up to. Um, you mentioned results and expectations there. Like would nutrition and mindset come into oh. it? And how, if so, how would you approach it with the athletes? Absolutely. So the way we really start with nutrition, obviously I'm not a nutritionist, anything like that, just general guidelines, stuff like that. I have them track their food. Just one, make them more self-aware of what they're doing on the daily. How many calories are you nice, eating yeah. every day? Because under eating is one of the biggest things I've found with youth athletes. It is rare they're eating enough especially pro protein wow, as well. Okay. Gotcha. And would you get them to use an app uh, such as a MyFitnessPal? Uh, yeah, so we usually say you can use MyFitnessPal or any other free app that you like and just consistently track for a week. Yeah. After a week, they check in. We kind of see where they are. And then based on what their goals are, we can kind of create a little plan for them. Okay, nice one. Moving forward, um, you have an extensive background in soccer, as you just said mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning. Uh, for, let's just take a soccer player looking to improve their game. Um, aside from the tactical and uh, technical side of things, and we'll take mindset out for a moment, what, what is essential from a physical standpoint uh, for a, a soccer player looking to improve? So for most think? soccer players, we start from the floor up. Feet, number one. Cleats are pretty terrible for your feet. So we work on strengthening the feet. <laughs> we move up to ankle stability. And then I think one of the biggest ones is hip stability. 
So nobody's ever thinking, you know, okay. when I strike a ball, I have one foot that's on the ground and that hits and charge stabilizing my whole body so that I can generate that power and put it into the ball. So I would say hip yeah. stability is probably one of the biggest ones we work on up front. Nice one. With the, with the feet specifically there for like, how would you start with the feet? What would be a typical uh, foot strength and exercise that you work with? So number one, we get them out of the shoes. We start having them go barefoot everywhere, which really helps. Nice. And then we'll, no yeah, doubt, yeah. we'll do different things with just standing on one foot, closing your eyes is probably one of the most basic ones. And just you'll start to feel all right. those feet muscles start to activate. Excellent. Yeah, nice one. It's something I've started to do recently as well, um, is taking my shoes off and trying to spend as much time as I can mm-hmm. out of those things. And yeah, it's definitely, definitely making a difference. I can feel it. You mentioned um, movement screens a while ago there as well. What are some other tests that you may take your athletes through? So we do some basic ones, check mobility of the hips and ankles, basically make sure they can get into the right positions, which kind of lets me know if we do need any type of corrective exercises slash stretching. If they pass those tests, I usually don't recommend any type of stretching. Um, We go in and I test ground contact time, which is just how long they spend on the ground when jumping and sprinting, stuff like that. And kind of give myself a better idea of does this athlete need more of strength training or do we need to go more towards the plyometric training side? What have you found that uh, are more youth athletes strength-based or would they more be more elastic-based? I would say it really depends on the sport. So like female soccer tend to be much more strength-based to start off with. But you get like a male basketball player, they tend to be much more elastic. Okay, interesting. Yeah, nice one. We'll get into basketball basketball there in a second as well. Do you use a load monitoring protocol? Um, We do. What's hard with that is like, I can't control what's happening the other 23 hours of their day. So I have no idea how much their skills trainers running them, how much their coach is running them. So we really just try to educate the athlete to be super aware of their load and then have them communicate with us and try to adjust our program based on everything else that they're doing. Understood. Um, with speed, with an increase in speed, it, it increases performance and everything else on the field, such as like evading quicker, change direction or mm-hmm. whatever else. What is your approach to coaching speed or is it something that you kind of, you, you believe that they're getting enough of through their sport anyway? Or would you make it a priority in each session? Um, so it really depends on the way I break it down is I have them come in and tell me their goals. If their goal is to improve their speed, then I will program their stuff towards mm-hmm. that, but it goes back to their limiting factors. So when I do their analysis, is it a strength issue? Is it a stability issue? Is it ground contact time? They just don't get off the ground fast enough. And it could also be like muscle fiber types at a cellular level, which is just like, are they more fast switch, slow switch? And do I need to program to kind of convert that one way or the other? Interesting. For, for the ground contact, I meant to ask you, what tool are you using? A specific, I'm using the G-Flight. Yeah, what, what I use you? the G-Flight. Uh, something we have in common there. <laughs> it's moving towards uh, basketball. Um, some common injuries that you see. I would what say would the biggest one I see is tendonitis. Is that in, mm-hmm. up the knee? Okay. And what are you doing? What are you doing this to what are you doing to counteract this? Sorry. So for tendonitis, obviously it could happen for a bunch of different reasons, but overall we pretty much work on a lot of isometric holds. So put them in a split split squat hold. Um, We do light loading because tendons love loading. So we kind of work them up, try to build that capacity up. Because a lot of times you see what happens is an athlete takes time off and they go into preseason and the coach just is like, okay, I'm going to run them into the ground. We're going to get them ready. 
and that athlete's tendons aren't ready for that load, their capacity is too low, and tendonitis flares up there. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been playing around a lot with uh, Jake Torres' work as yeah. well, just to start a workout. Since so like finding and finding a health and it's just it's, it's something something else to kind of focus mm-hmm. on. I'm really I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Um, I saw a really cool post on ankle stiffness specifically that you put up a few weeks ago. Um, basically, you're you're off a plate. I think it's like a, f- a 15 kilo bumper mm-hmm. plate, and you're just holding. You're just you're just holding that position, um, attempting to develop stiffness. Can you give us just a little bit more insight into how else you might develop ankle stiffness in your basketball? Yeah, players? so I, that's usually like our step one. We go for just foot strength. Try to get the foot strong in all of these ISO holds, different positions like that. Then we gradually progress it to be a little bit more dynamic. Eventually, we'll add some light plyos and maybe band assisted, and just try to have them maintain that stiffness. And then we'll eventually progress to where they fall off the plate and maintain stiffness through there. And they enjoy, I'd say, uh, do they enjoy that kind of different approach? Because they probably wouldn't have come across that uh, before. Yeah, right? they love that stuff. Some of them don't like the the balancing aspect of standing on the plate with no heel. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's an eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> so is the rumor true that basketball players aren't too fond of uh, lifting weights and sweating? Or am I wrong? For the most part, they don't like heavyweight. The most part, they love the plyometric right, aspect okay. of it, which is, I think, that's generally true for most athletes. They love what they're already good at. They hate doing stuff they suck at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, yeah, it's about how you how you get them to focus yeah. on those weaknesses. I have right? a good bit of football players that love heavy lifting. <laughs> okay, yeah, no doubt. Do you, when it comes to agility and change direction, have you a framework that you work off? Yeah. So for agility and changing direction. I think first, I really like to just strengthen the muscles that are used. So two big ones I focus on are the adductors and then the glute meds. Once I can create enough strength, we start to make it a little bit more dynamic, go through teaching change of direction, actually on the mechanics of all of that. And then I would say a lot of people don't really understand the big difference between agility and change of direction. Agility is changing direction just based on an outside stimulus. So that's where we kind of progress it to is eventually I'm going to have you changing direction based on you've seen a lot of like the tennis ball drills I do. Now they have an outside stimulus they have to react to, which makes it much more game like. It's not a predetermined change of direction. Understood. Moving in towards your life now, I suppose, just to find out a little bit more about that. And what does your current training look like? So I've converted my training over to a little bit more of like a bodybuilding approach, really trying to work on what I consider underdeveloped on my body. Um, I still do some athletic stuff, obviously, just because I continuously have to demonstrate that on the daily, but definitely more of a mm-hmm. bodybuilding approach. Okay, lovely. And are you training? Would you, what's your split? Are you three on, one off, or how do you go about yeah, it? Yeah, so right now I go three on, one off, and then just have that rotate through okay. over and over. It's interesting, like you go into, into the bodybuilding side of things, do you, miss the, do you miss the soccer side of things, or are you still playing? Oh, I, I miss it sometimes, but I'm honestly just so busy. I'm very much so like, I would say process oriented. So when I set my mind to something new, that's all I'm about. Yeah. I can only focus on one thing at a time. Okay. It's almost like I don't even think about that part anymore. I'm just chasing this. Gotcha. It's all or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> working in a gym with athletes, you know, I found anyway in the past that people, people come in, they're working out, they're alleviating stress. Then they leave and they leave all their stress with you. And you, t- I, you know, I, I found that like I tend to take it on board or whatever. And I do you find... Do you find it similar or 
I suppose what I'm trying to get to here is like, how do you unwind? So I don't very well. It's definitely a character flaw of mine. I'm very go, go, go and stressed all the time, which does help me get a lot done. But that's probably my biggest thing. I try meditation. I'm not perfect at it. (laughs) Give it my best effort. Um, Anything else, like really just mindful thinking, trying to... yeah work on gratitude, everything like that, and go back to the visualization of like the bigger picture of everything. Yeah, okay. And does that, do you get your visualization done the minute you wake up in the morning or do you wait till after training? Oh, the minute I wake up. That's my me time. Yeah, gotcha. And would it be, like how long, how long would you spend visualizing or have you, what's your process there? Usually about an hour and I'll just sit down and talk. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sit down and talk with my partner, really go over future plans, why we do everything what the bigger goal is. I'm really big on almost like speaking things and thinking things into existence. So if I go over that every single day, I'm putting that energy out there in the universe. I love it. Um, Can you talk to us about your approach to nutrition? Yeah. So again, not a nutritionist, but I would say probably my biggest thing is looking for micronutrient rich foods. So definitely a lot of fruits, Mm -hmm. vegetables. I'm really big on meat. I love grass fed steaks, everything like that. Um, Definitely whole foods. I eat about my body weight in grams of protein every day. So have a lot of protein. That would be probably my biggest ones. Um, I have tried more of just like the macro way before, but I don't feel near as good just going based off macros. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was actually in the States during the summer for a few months and I did find it very difficult to get my hands on, as you said, that grass fed mm-hmm. beef unless you're, you know, put a hole in your pocket. But um, luckily, we had a canteen we could work off as well. So that was that was definitely that was definitely a godsend. Um, if there is one, and this is the last question before we get into our quick fire round, what is your long term goal? So I would say, obviously, to continue doing what I'm doing, I want to be the best at it. So I'm going to keep relentlessly chasing that, and then to be able to provide right. for my family. If they ever need anything, I'll be the one that everybody can go to. Perfect. I like it. Into the quick fire round. Um, my, I'm going to break you in easily here with you telling us who is your all-time favorite sporting hero. Oh, Ronaldo. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Have you seen him play oh. live? Live, like in person? No. Yeah. Okay. Something, something you can put on the bucket oh, list, for right? Sure. <laughs> Second question. Um, if you could be in a WhatsApp group with three other people dead or alive, who would they be? Not Family not included. Ooh, that are alive. Um, David Goggins. Okay. Ben Pakulski. Right. And, and then I would say Gary Vee. Ah, for your daily dose of optimism and <laughs> realism, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he is enjoyable. I like his character. Um, and last but not least, what's something you know now you wish you'd known when you were an athlete? Uh, I would say how important the recovery aspect of it is because I was all gas and no breaks. I thought, you know, if you work harder, you'll get there. And it's like, it's crazy the amount that sleep and nutrition will do for your game. Do you know what? That reminds me of another Instagram post you had up um, on the recovery side of things versus the physical side of things mm-hmm. and sympathetic versus parasympathetic. Yep. Unbelievably, unbelievably detailed. <laughs> I need a whiteboard and marker to go through that. Oh, it took me so long to make. <laughs> 
I'm going to share that right now after this. Um, just reminding me there. And where can people find you? Uh, Twitter? Are you on? You are on Twitter or on Instagram? Can you tell us your handles there? Yeah, on Instagram it's at savcastles, mm-hmm. and I believe it would be the same thing for Twitter. I'm big on Twitter. Perfect. I'll put that up as well, um, so people can find you Perfect. and benefit from what, all the good content you're putting out there. Thank you so much for your time. It was quality. Um, get, I know you're in a rush to get to work <laughs> right now, so have a great day. And hopefully we'll catch you again very all soon. Right. We'll get you back Thank on. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Sav. I appreciate it. See Bye. you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 11 of the Be Ready Training Podcast. If you have any questions or queries for myself or Sav, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.